This episode of The Startup Life is tucked in nice and tight by Philip Stein and the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet. Startup Nation, getting quality sleep is super important, especially for those of us as entrepreneurs. I know for me, if I don't get enough quality sleep, not only do I not perform well while working in my business or exercising, but also it really affects my mental health and that doubt starts to creep in. And that's the last thing we want as entrepreneurs. Also, with everything going on, good quality sleep is important to repair the body and support a good immune system. And that is why Startup Nation, I wear the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet. The Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet uses natural frequency technology to reinforce our biomagnetic field to improve deep sleep, length of sleep, and overall sleep quality. This helps produce a healthier heart, regulate weight control, and helps strengthen the immune system, which helps destroy bacteria and viruses. Right now, when you go to philipstein.com, use code SLEEPEZ, and you will get 10% off the entire store. That's promo code SLEEP, capital E, capital Z. So if you are ready to be more productive in leading your business, go with the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet, proven to be natural and safe to give you a better, deeper sleep. It's time to be about that life, the startup life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. All right, Startup Nation, so I hope you're ready to receive some value today. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is The Startup Life, the show for entrepreneurs and career-minded professionals. You know, Startup Nation, it's no secret that these past few months have been long, scary, uncertain, thought-provoking, and nothing short of unprecedented. Watching friends lose jobs, seeing people divided by politics, race, and uh, and feeling the effects of COVID. You know, I know we're definitely all feeling that. And that's why today's guest created an organization whose mission is to lift spirits, offer levity and laughter, and elevate social sharing. I'm kind of getting over this social distancing thing, but maybe that's just me. <laughs> he is a serial entrepreneur and has founded numerous successful startups. He majored in Chinese at BYU. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And along with the very famous co-founder, he created the venture Busaki, a first of its kind sock brand working to bring local artists to the forefront while offering a unique gifting service that allows you to boo your friends and family by sending them an unexpected pair of socks that will make them giggle and squirm with delight. He is the one and only Taylor Shoop. T. Shoop, what's going on? Boss? Yeah. Yeah, you're the man. Thanks, Dominic. Appreciate that warm introduction. No worries. No worries, man. Look, man, are you ready to pour some knowledge in the Startup Nation? Because we can sure use some, hey, some I'm help a- today. <laughs> hey, I'm going to try. i got a limited uh, limited knowledge base, but I'm uh, very happy to try. <laughs> For sure. So, uh, you you know what, man? If we, let's just start here. Just kind of share your origin story a little bit, if you don't mind, T-Shoot. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, gosh, man. Um, you know, I've always been an entrepreneur since I was a little kid. So for Christmas, I wasn't asking for Batman toys. I was asking for cotton candy machines, rock oh, tumblers, okay. uh, lemonade machines, yeah, snow cone machines, right? So I was always trying to, to make a dollar here or there. Gotcha. And uh, so, you know, entrepreneurship was always you know, at the center of my life. And uh, I started my first company uh, out of college. It was called ISIS. Okay. It was my first real company. Yeah, gotcha. I still own those trademarks. Uh, and ISIS was a, a consumer electronic brand. And, uh, what we were doing is we were bringing, um, electronic accessories to market that combined art and science. Mm-hmm. So we're working with, you know, local, uh, graphic artists. We're also working with musicians and athletes on product that, uh, told, a, uh, you know, cool, expressive story, uh, look good, but they're also super functional. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I did that in 2000. I believe. Gotcha. And then that became Blacksmith Manufacturing, which I sold. Uh, and then I started a company called Stance, right. which is all about bringing the same, same notion, right? It's like right. bringing expression to, you know, commoditized product. And uh, we were pretty methodical about it. I mean, socks are, uh, you know, about as generic as it gets. Right. You know, there's been a race to the bottom over years and years and, and years. And, uh, you know, I love I, I love those opportunities. I love looking at, you know, these, these product, um, offerings that lack innovation mm. and maybe aren't, you know, focusing on the consumer needs anymore. They're really just focusing on, on price point and accessibility and adding some color and some functionality and comfort. You know? Gotcha. So yeah, that, that, that was fun, man. Stance was a, was a good one. At one point we we're the most valuable sock company in the U S and, uh, you know, it's just cool to, to be able to, uh, develop product in a, in a, in a very vertical way. 
right. you know, build my own factory. And, uh, you know, we did uh, a lot of amazing product with, you know, organizations like the NBA on court socks and MLB right. on field socks. And of course, the, uh, you know, the music and the art thing, which I was used to. And, uh, and that was one that um, opened up a lot of doors for us and, and opened up my mind too to like, what other things can I do that not only can be, you know, profitable, but uh, can, can be more outward in, like think, things that can address social stances and, right. you know, environmental stances and, and just like, you know, I don't know, you get to a point where you're just like, all right, you kind of, you, you made some money, you feel, you feel good about providing for your, for your basic needs. You're like, how do I self-actualize? How, mm, how do I, you right. know, like create yeah. more meaning for myself? And then, and then you realize, wait, like as I self-actualize and I'm doing something, that's good. The money just kind of comes. Right. Um, and, and so that's sort, sort of where I'm at. And, you know, that's why we decided to do food stock users. Like, you know, a byproduct of what was happening in the macro environment. People are despondent. I mean, I'm sure you know how, how it's been. Uh, Absolutely. It's been, been kind of awful, man. So, it, it, you know, this sucks. is about like... It sucks. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's been pretty yeah, bad. Dude, yeah. it totally sucks. <laughs> right. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. I'm like, hey, I own a sock factory. Right. right. And the sock factory, for me was uh it's been an amazing endeavor because uh well first off textile manufacturing is 11 trillion dollar industry it's right. a massive industry absolutely and it's also dude it's also like the most polluted I mean, second to big oil right interesting um and yeah and, and you also have this culture of this uh, of exploitation of human capital people mm. and uh and i'm like wow you know if i could disrupt the model of like lowest investment wins you know and lowest investment is going to create the most you know favorable competitive advantage with uh I, you know this this notion that you you know if you create a, a workplace people love to go to if you provide education but you know workers benefits you'll actually be more competitive right, right? even though your cost base is high. right and so you know, that, that was the whole mission behind future stitch and then uh you know that thing has proven to work which has been great. And then, uh, you know, and that was sort of the uh, genesis to doing the Busaki thing. So I'm like, hey, I own my own factory. Why not produce product in, you know, seven days or less? Uh, and it's never been done before, right? It's like a sort of a, um, you know, this this idea that we could leverage our supply chain to be as competitive as, as, as possible and, and match the product to the actual topical you know, things that are happening, social issues that are happening right. um, in, in a way that just you just can't compete with. So, right. For sure. You know, it's a little, it's a little, it's, a little it's, it's always a dance with the devil. There's always, you know, yeah. pros and cons and struggles. Uh, you know, one day you feel like you're walking into the valley of death and <laughs> you, your business is going to, is going to, you know, uh, implode. And then, you know, you're persistent and, uh, and these doors open up. And, and uh, fortunately for me, I've had some nice luck, man, Not, uh, and good opportunity. And, and I've realized that as I focus on the market and I act quick, you know, I always seem to end up, you know, back on my feet. For sure. So For pretty, sure. pretty blessed in that regard. Absolutely. No, I definitely understand what you mean. The, the, the uh, parent company for the uh, startup life is uh, Owls LLC is an education consultant firm. So uh, we write curriculum and do professional development with like teachers and nonprofits and stuff like that. But like we had a whole bunch of uh, contracts lined up. Uh, from March to June, because that's our busy season. And so obviously when COVID hit, it's just like, oh, that just, you know, uh, fell through. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, it it sucks, you know, but that's, but that's the nature of the game. And, and, uh, you know, we've been able to kind of slowly rebound and stuff like that with schools starting to reopen and stuff like that. So, Slowly but surely, you know, you, you get back to it. And, uh, but, you know, it, it, it's been a little rough, but, you know, you, you roll with the punches. You know what I mean? You roll with the punches. Dude, you know, that's it. That's it. You know what? This variability that's come into the macro environment, I think it'll be good for us long term. I'm not yeah. trying to discount all the loss of life and all the horrible things. Oh, of course of not. No. All the shit people's going through, right? Like, this right. is real. This is real. Right. But what I am saying is, like, having that fluidity is actually important for innovation. Right. And, uh, you know, as long as you have that right mindset of thinking of how you can sort of roll with that, to your point, roll with the punches, build something that is fluid. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that, um, it's going to make you much better off to, to, to form offensive strategies in the future. I mean, those are the, the groups right now that are innovating, creating new products and new, new innovations. They're going to win long term. 
Absolutely. You know, if they, Absolutely. If, they, if they can figure out how to like thrive in this chaotic environment, they're going to, they're going to thrive when it's peace time. <laughs> So, yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. No, for sure. And I appreciate you sharing that. Startup Nation, you know, uh, Taylor just said something that I think we need to put on the back of our mind and put in your entrepreneurial kit. Fluidity is important for innovation. That's that's extremely important. I appreciate you dropping that uh, nugget on us, man. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. For sure. So I I wanted to ask you this, man. I want to go back just a little bit because you talked about, you know, when you were a kid, you know, you always had that entrepreneurial gene, you know, you wanted, uh, you didn't want a Batman party. You wanted a snow cone machine. Where does that come from? Were like your parents entrepreneurs Were they, you know, was it something you saw? Like, tell me a little bit about your, your childhood there. You know what it was, man? I think I had such a like orthodox, uh, upbringing where I had lots of rules Mm. and lots of constraints that like, it pushed me, you know, to question, question probably more than most kids. Right. Uh, and I, hey, I'm not trying to discount the biological stuff, right? Yeah. I, ha- I have my, 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 my great grandfather commercialized, uh, radar and was like, uh, you know, worked with MIT scientists to bring radar into you know, service plans in World War II. Gotcha. Like, w- you know, we have an entrepreneurial past in the family, which is, you know, something I'm proud of. Right. And I'm sure there's some, you know, biological characteristics there, but I think more than that is like, I was, uh, you know, set up in an environment that was highly controlled and, uh, you know, I just, I just needed to question it all, you know, like I just felt like there was more out there and entrepreneurs, I just, you know, I think entrepreneurs are often born into that sort of situation, gotcha. right? It's something that's really confining and they're like looking for an exit, right? Like, Hey, what, what do I do here to, to be free? Right. And, uh, and that was, that was me. You know, I was the kid always, uh, questioning every single rule. And I know it drove, drove my parents crazy. And I got three kids <laughs> right. now and I'm saying the same thing. Cause so obviously there is some biological here and it, and it, it karma is a bitch. Right. Right. Um, but no, I mean, I think that that was like deep thought for me, right. Like mm-hmm. into my entrepreneurship. Um, and, and yeah, my dad was a, a lawyer and, you know, he's by the book. And, uh, and I, whenever, whenever I had to do like, Whenever I wanted to do anything that was against a rule or a plan, I had to write an essay, and mm. I had to create a persuasive argument gotcha. on why this rule should be broken. You know, and he was my judge and jury. And I will give him credit that he gave me—he uh, allowed me to win when I presented a good logical case. Mm. And so that that helped me a lot in forming my approach to business, which is, you know. I would say it's, I follow a method as, as much as I possibly can. Right. Um, but I feel like you can't have an absolute method because then when there is some variability, you don't know what to do. And plus, when you have like an absolutistic mindset in business, it's very easy for other people to form a defense against that. They know how you're going to operate. That's true. You know, just like in sports. Right. Right. Like you look at Michael Jordan and that's, you know, this guy like played a certain way. And, uh, and, you know, gr- groups like the Pistons, I mean, they formed an amazing defense because they, they figured him out. Absolutely. It wasn't that variability. And it wasn't until Phil Jackson came in and was like, hey, you know, MJ, this is how we're going to do it. You know, we're going to make build up the team. We're going to change it, change the, the offensive strategy here that the, the Lakers really started winning and taking those titles. So, you know, I think you, you constantly got to be shifting. And, and my shift was like, I got to shift around all of these, like, very confining things, the curfews. The, I grew up in a very strict Mormon household. Right. So, gotcha. you know, a lot, lot of very strict things that ultimately, uh, you know, taught me some amazing values. Don't get me wrong. And I would never take back that upbringing for any reason whatsoever. But really, it was a deep talk into, you know, how I think and plan um, these days. I appreciate that. And I appreciate the part you talked about where, you know, you had to write an essay to make a compelling argument to break those rules. I, I think a lot of times in entrepreneurship, we have an idea and we just kind of move forward with it. You know what I mean? But I, I feel like that type of practice and that exercise allows you to think a little bit deeper, a little bit more, right? It kind of goes back to uh, your example with, you know, Jordan, right? You know, you, you know, he, he could, for the longest time, he couldn't get past the Pistons, right? But, you, you, you know, Phil Jackson comes along, helps, you know, kind of shift and change that thinking. And with that exercise you talked about, I think you kind of do the same thing. And, and like you said, yep. you know, people don't know how to attack that. 
because you know you're you're mm-hmm. deep in thinker you're thinking deeper uh you know and, and a little bit mm-hmm. beyond just you know what you're trying to accomplish so i appreciate you sharing that man i think startup nation you yeah. might want to consider putting that in your entrepreneurial toolkit you know creating that essay uh to kind of you know it's all, I, I think some people probably call it a business plan but you know it is what it is right but i i think mm-hmm. you might want to add that to your entrepreneurial toolkit so i appreciate you uh sharing that taylor thanks bro no worries yeah you know i just feel like I, I, hey i like i'm methodical right well when we went into socks you know right. people thought we were crazy they're like okay you have this this brand that uh, was doing well and you sold your business and you had this money you have other founders you've done you know, pretty big things. Yeah. Why sock? And, you know, I call them people and I'd be like, Hey, yeah, I'm starting this, this stock company. And they'd be like, stock company. What's a stock company? <laughs> yeah. And they would say, I'm talking equities, right? They, right. they thought and nobody even like understood why we would even approach that. And they thought it was a waste of talent. And I'm getting the same thing now as we talk to be honest, man, I got this like, you know, five-star facility, best in class and knitting. And they're like, dude, why are you not doing socks for Tom Ford? Or, or Gucci, right? You know, and, and I'm like, hey, that luxury to me is hollow. Mm. Like, I think I'm doing a lot more with with Busaki, right? Now I love fine product. Don't get me wrong, but like what we're doing and bringing comedic value and you know, bring, elevating the sociality of, of you know of product product sharing to me is is a much greater feat, right? And rewarding feat than doing you know some fi- ultra fine merino. Uh, mercerized cotton twisted double cylinder, you right. know, dress sock that's sold, you know, in Neiman. Right. So a- anyway, right. I-, I just feel like the, the, it's, it's important to do, it's important to plan and it's important to have your if then, you know, For like, sure. hey, if this is going to happen. This is my B, this is my C. And that's just how I try to operate. But when we're looking at socks, man, like, I mean, I, I had a hundred different categories. We we're looking at, uh, like our top five were sunscreen, toothpaste, mm luggage away really did a good one with that one right um yeah we we had a ton of different categories looking at but i i set my variables right um and i created a spreadsheet where i'd weigh these things uh appropriately i want to make sure there was a flywheel you know there was consumption i want to make sure it worked for econ i want to make sure i was going to get high skew productivity stock stretch you create one stock you you know one size you can fit like 90 percent of male adults 90 percent of female adults i want to make sure i had the gross margins I want to be able to, you know, use it as a tool for uh, for acquisition at a, with a very low price point. You see socks, it's not going to break the bank versus, you know, seeding sneakers or whatever, um, you know, which costs a lot more. Right. And and I wanted to do something that, um, you know, that, that was going to get attention. I think that's important, right? Mm, it's absolutely. very easy in a commoditized space to create a value-added winner, create something super special because everybody's just focusing on the... Uh, you know, the dollars in the yarn, dollars in your direct labor costs. Right. You know, and, and, and that's it. The consumer's been conditioned to think of it as a discardable product. But, you know, so, so when we started this, nobody nobody even understood it. They thought, like, okay, how are you going to make any money? And quite frankly, I didn't know. I mean, this was a hypothesis. Like, right. is it actually going to happen? Are we going to make money or, or not? I, I had no idea. But, but you know, what I, I always had, I had, I had good people, fun people. You know, I was able to create a rad culture. And that is, you know, as important as the product you create, I think. So I thought, hey, worst case scenario, this thing fails. Who cares? I'm working with rad-ass people having a lot of fun, and I'm not going to, you know, take a minute of it for granted. And lucky for us, it was successful. For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing all of that. And that brand, Startup Nation, is Busaki. Busaki Busaki.com. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access if you listen to the replay on the podcast. And, you know, when you talk about Busaki, uh, Taylor, it goes back to what you were saying earlier, that self-actualization piece. Yeah, you could make socks for Tom Ford and, and sell it in uh, Neiman's or Nordstrom's or whatever the case may be. But yeah. I think the thing is, is that like, you know, when you have like uh, like the uh, the funny sayings and the cartoons and, and, and stuff like that, you know, I, I think it, it lightens the load. It lightens the mood, especially with everything going on, right. uh, you know, and you can do something so simple with socks you know what i mean so i definitely see the angle there you're talking about and that self and it, and it really uh works with the sex act self-actualization piece that you uh were talking about and i just want to say i appreciate uh the two pair i got the uh i need space and the and the king which is just so dope 
<laughs> by the way. Okay. Thanks, man. No, no worries. No worries. And they actually, <laughs> they feel nice, too. They're not just, you know, looking cool, Starter Nation, but they actually feel uh, really well. But kind of talk about the company a little bit more, man, and, and what you got yeah. going on. And I, and I love how you have, like, the, the, the part where you have artists uh, kind of being featured alongside the socks and stuff. Kind of talk about that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, so we're using comb cotton. The toes okay. are all seamless. Um, we're adding even some some additional um, utility with uh, Terry Loop and the toe and heel to make it even more comfortable. I didn't want to make a crap product. Of course not. You know, even though it's more about the experience and the feel, you know, of the the share of the boo. Mm-hmm. I like the thing. The thing thing about the sock is it provides a lot of delight for people. When you put on a fresh pair of socks, it, it actually provides more delight than than any other article of apparel besides underwear. And we've done like extensive testing on it. In fact, I'm sitting with the uh, head of human performance at Stanford University, this guy, Brandon Marcello. Uh-huh. And, uh, and he's like, and I'd never, I'd never met him before. Uh, our trainer brought him into my office and uh, he's like, hey, I want to do a deal with, with you and our athletes. And I'm like, okay, well, why socks? And why stands? And he's like, in my testing, there's nothing that elevates morale after an intense workout than a fresh pair of socks. I was like, no way. I'm like, not a, not a cup of Gatorade even. He's like, right. no man, it's socks. It's a fresh pair of socks. And so there's something to it, right? To that feel that you get when you have a properly fitting, really comfortable, um, you know, tactile pleasing right. uh, pair of socks. And so, you know, I wanted to embody that in an in, in emotional way, in a visual way too. Right. And, uh, and the comedy side, I think lends value to it. I think, you know, working with Rob Dyrdek is one of my best friends. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, uh, co-investor on, on plenty of projects, um, has been a real treat. Dude is he's a comedic genius. And, um, you know, our plans roll out a bunch of different series with other comedians. We talked to Red Canvas for this because you can show as much of that comedy as you want. You right. can wear it with, you know, your dress slacks and, and, uh, you don't need to show it, right? Or you can hike up your jeans and show it. You can wear them shorts. I mean, it's just, it's just a little bit more of a controllable canvas. It's not like you're throwing it on a t-shirt. Right. So you get your, your market size is bigger for something like this. And, uh, and plus I just feel like it's a, it's really fun because you have a left and a right. And so you can work with like, you know, meme topics, which typically include two different components, right. you know, picture and verbiage, or, you know, you can work with just all sorts of double entendre, which is fun and witty. Uh, and so I think the canvas is right for social sharing. Plus it's just affordable, right? Which is an important part of social sharing. Um, but where Busaki comes in in a very unique way, other than just being a you know premium artistic comedic sock brand, is the shareability component. You know where you mm-hmm. can send it to. You buy booze, six pack of booze, twelve pack of booze, and you can like pre-program right friends' birthdays or your anniversary or Mother's Day or Father's Day or whatever, right. and you can you can uh, write a hint and then you know you log you log in your, your friend gets it they scan the QR code it comes up with the hint they got to type the right answer and then who sent it to them. And so it kind of makes like a scavenger hunt, right? And they can right. boo back. But like at, you know, 15 bucks with a new subscription thing that we're rolling out, like nine bucks, 10 bucks a month, you know, to have like a, an element of communication, but also a nice gift, right? Think like uh, irreverent sort of comedic hallmark, you know, um, plus a, uh, an article of apparel that, you know, somebody can wear. It's going to fit. You don't have to really put that much thought into it, right? right. It's like ultimate convenience to me. You know, combined with obviously something that's really comfortable and going to last for a long period of time. That to me is a, you know, it's a winning proposition for sure. And and I love the, the designs. And the thing is, like, it's 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 it it's simple but so awesome, right? Because like socks are nothing more than a template, and you saw that as a template. Right. You like do uh, different things. Startup Nation. I'm on the website right now, and I'm I'm loving these these cheat socks. Uh, for back to school, right? Yeah. Like those, those are really, uh, those are really dope. But you talked about, Thanks, you know, uh, no, no worries. You talked about working uh, with Rob on this venture. Kind of talk about, you know, how you guys you know, work, you know, together, you know, what you've learned from each other and stuff like that. Yeah, totally. Uh, well, I guess I gained respect for Rob Deerdeck, uh the first time I pitched him in 2009 to invest in our brand. And right. at that point we had, so what, one of the things that I did differently at Stance is I brought uh, celebrities or you know people with influence right. onto our cap table, and I didn't I didn't pay them right. So mm-hmm. like we we had you know the the Rock uh, 
Nation crew, you know, right, and J- right. Jay-Z and, yeah. um, and Rihanna and whatnot. It's it Wayne Wade, James Harden, you know, uh, invest Will Smith. These guys invested and then they became, uh, obviously became shareholders, but they became like, they, they carried an ownership cap, you know, and they talked about it authentically. Mm-hmm. And it felt real. It felt good. And they enjoyed it. Uh, and they didn't, you know, require all of these endorsements. Now we didn't tell them what to say, uh, of course. Right. But they naturally became brand ambassadors because they were shareholders. So I, I highly recommend that as you considering, you know, people are considering going out and, um, you know, uh, creating brands is to work with people who are like mining shared culture who have influence. Get them involved on the equity side. Absolutely. Um, but you know, anyway, I'm, I, I, I uh, digress. So. So I went into Fantasy Factory. That was his show at the time. Right. And to be honest, it wasn't. I didn't really watch the show, but I knew Rob from skateboarding. And uh, you know, I, I roll in there and I'm pitching him on this thing, and um, and I dropped the Rock Nation name. In fact, I, I, I dropped Jay Brown. He's a good friend of mine. He's uh, the, the chairman there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, I don't give a fuck about Rock, Rock Nation. Like, Why are you name dropping? Why are you name dropping up in here? Right. <laughs> I'll show you the door. You know. Right. I'm like, oh damn! I, I I normally don't get put in my place that that quickly. At least I I, I try not to, right. you know. Right. And 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 immediately I was like, wow! I actually respect the bluntness of this guy. Absolutely. Uh, it didn't come off like an a, an asshole. It actually came off like, hey, I'm going to tell you exactly what my opinion is. Take it or leave it. And I know you want something from me, um, and you better get your story right. right. And I appreciated that level of candor for sure. And uh, and I laughed. I like laughed right there. Then and then, I'm like, okay, I see how I see how it is. All right, let's regroup here. And I did my pitch all over again without it. And he was like, he was actually so impressed. He was like, okay, let's do a deal, and I'll put some money in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fast forward a few years later, Stan's become successful. Like, hey, let's go on a trip together. Uh, he had a fiance at the time. It was very similar to my wife. Fantastic girl. And, uh, and then we did family vacation. We, we raised some cars, and we just realized that uh, we had a lot of the same energy. We, we uh, felt like we had a lot of the same interests. Right. And, uh, and we both wanted to, like, do, you know, we had, both wanted to do big things. And and he has, man. This guy actually, I mean, he's known to be a TV personality, reality TV show star, but he actually has better business acumen than almost any VC I've ever dealt with. I mean, he's actually very savvy. He is and so, for you know, quite often, for sure. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. No, the guy, the guy's actually pretty, he's really legit. And, uh, and, you know, he developed a system, um, he has a, a fund that, uh, he, you know, uses to invest in a bunch of startups. He has a very strict, uh, investment mix. Uh, and, and we could never really do anything other than that fan thing. Cause I, you know, uh, my, my businesses were just didn't fit into his criteria, gotcha. but then, uh, we're, we're just talking about like, the, you know, the weight of the world and getting together and where we can go and hang out. And it's just like, damn, this is like, just feels depressing. And I'm like, hey, why don't we utilize my factory and do something really fun? And, you know, utilize your brain for the comedic content, um, you know, and mine for the manufacturing and product development and create something. And literally three months later, we had a website, product line, everything, all done. Okay. And that, that, that sort of thing usually takes over a year, usually around 18 months or so. But I'm like, hey, let's, let's launch with minimal viable product. Let's test the market out. Let's get some, something out there now because the situation is real right now. Right. Uh, and, you know, fortunately, it, seem, it seems to be working, but th- there's just so many advancements we have planned that I get really excited. I'm thinking about like two months from now, three months from now, what Blue Sock is coming out with and the tech uh, and the collaboration and the wholesale distribution plan and everything. I think this thing is, you know, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be real. I mean, we've been out for like 45 days and that's it. And it's gotten some great attention. Obviously appreciate that it got your attention. Absolutely. Uh, I was really honored by this call because, uh, you know, I think that it's worthy of, of discussing. I think it's something that more entrepreneurs should be considering. They should be considering what's happening in the macro environment and how they create something that it can, can actually help in some way, shape, or form. I'm not talking about just like donating to like, you know, Red Cross. Right. But, you know, I'm talking about like really like touching communities, community building, touching people in, in, in an intimate way. I think that's really valuable. Right. And, and, and the thing is, first of all, look, everybody wears socks, right? For the most part, right? And, and, and right. so you're, you're, you're helping people on a, on a social uh, level. It's like, you know, like, like I you know, was talking at the top of the show, uh, we're, you know, we're all social distancing, but you know, what's wrong with so, social sharing? And I think that's what 
uh, attracted right. me to the brand and and wanted to uh, have you on the show because look, man, like the world's tough right now. I mean, as if the the world wasn't tough before, it's a lot tougher now. And so, if you can like take a moment to. Uh, just kind of, you know, put a smile on somebody's face or allow them to kind of show their personality a little bit with a pair of socks, man, like that, that's golden. Right. That's golden to a lot of people. And so I, I, yeah. I respect the hell out of that, man. Thanks, bro. No worries. No worries. Appreciate so, that a lot. Oh, no, of course. Of course. I wanted to ask you something really quick, you know, because you, you talked about building a, a factory from the ground and, and, and you know, and having your own factory and stuff like that. So I want to ask you a, kind of a two part question a little bit. You know, when you decided to build that uh, that factory, why not like, you know, just like, you know, because a lot of people, they kind of do the do that where they have somebody kind of create that stuff for you what did you want to have control of the process and on top of that uh have you been having issues because i know a lot of people have been having kind of supply chain issues uh these days have mm-hmm. you been running to the issues like that kind of talk about that a little bit sure yeah so i see owning my own facility as a massive competitive advantage i hear that what it provides me is it allows me to control and own the margin all the way from raw materials to uh, a finished good and you know and and ultimately, if I'm going to BC, the margin all the way to the end consumer. And so uh, that's important. Not, not strictly because I think it you know, creates more uh, you know, bottom line profitability. Mm-hmm. That's important. Don't get me wrong. Right? Right. You got to become self-sufficient as a business. Um, but more in that, I could add more value to that product and not destroy my margin. Right. right? So like, it's the difference between, say, a Zara and a Gap. You know, 10 years ago or 15 years ago, market cap's about the same, similar business, you know, models. Um, we got lots of direct consumer retail. That There's a few differences. Uh, but the main one, in my opinion, is that Zara owned their own factories. Gap didn't. Mm-hmm. Gap had to go to market around 18 months. Zara had to go to market around two months. And so they were able to deliver products much quicker, of course, and therefore the, you know, product was more on trend. But even more than that, they were because they own the margin of the factory, they were able to increase the thread count. You know, right. they were able to increase the uh, stitches per square uh, inch. You know, they, they were able to do things that made a better quality product, so the end user was more satisfied. Therefore, they drove their consumer lifetime value mm. uh, to you know to a point that that gaps can compete. And now, I mean, what is it? It's probably like. There's probably twenty X spread between the two. Something like that. You got you got yeah, you got gap of like four billion I mean it went up after the A deal. Right. But you got four billion or so and, and you know, Intadex, Zara's parent company's probably at eighty, something like that. Anyway, you know, there's a huge difference here. Um, you know, that, that was created mainly because they had a supply chain um that they owned and they controlled. And so, and there's also one other element you don't see this much in Zara, you know, in fast fashion per se, but it's the innovation unlocks. So if you're actually running your own production, right, you're touching those fibers, you're touching the machine, you're able to discover like a lot more in terms of possibilities for improvement. And so, you know, that was another that was another thing for me, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and I want to get into manufacturing anything anyway because of just the impact that I could potentially make. You know, we, we use the number one architect in China to design this thing. It looks more like an art gallery rather right. than a factory. There's a gym. There's a library. There's an art gallery. There's a beautiful cantina. There's a basketball court. Like, it, it, it looks more like a tech company than, you know, like a factory. You know, I use a quarter of the concrete, right? I have the highest environmental rating of any other knit factory. Right. And, uh, and, and we, we're able to do all this one, because I control the whole value chain, so I could invest more, and I know I can get it back. Right. Uh, you know, obviously, there's a real marketing story here that can create value. Mm-hmm. Uh, but more than that, I retain people. Mm. And in a manufacturing environment, retention is critical. It's a key part of uh, your, your productivity. You know, you, my average retention when I bought that original facility was 13 months, but I saw a huge productivity swing from one year to two years. So if I keep them there and I keep them happy, Right, they're gonna stay. I pay them above market wage. They're gonna stay. Not only are they gonna stay, but they're gonna work freaking hard, and they're gonna be stoked. Absolutely. You know, they're gonna like get, give their ideas more willingly. They're gonna be more vested because they know what the alternatives are. And, and more than that, like from a, a personal perspective, I just feel like 
you know, we're making a big difference in that space. Like, right. There have been so many new facilities that have been created after we built ours that are trying to match or mirror what we've been doing because we've proven out this hypothesis. And you don't need to exploit, you know, the, the labor. You can pay them above market. And there is a tangible benefit to investing in your infrastructure, making it nice. Um, sure. And my next thing, which I'm really excited about, mm-hmm. is, uh, is a factory here. Okay. So we have plans to build this factory in LA. We're going to use all formerly incarcerated labor. I've been involved in uh, incarceration uh, related charities for years and years. I think it's a plague on our system. I think it's a plague for minorities. I, I just despise it. Uh, and uh, my board member, Jason Flom, who's head of the Innocent Project, he was uh, Joe Rogan last or two weeks ago or whatever, mm-hmm. is heading up a lot of our hiring efforts to get the right people in. But I want to challenge the, uh, the system here, and I want to challenge that incarceration system as well. Uh, and so you'll see more future stitch facilities popping up um, around the U.S. And I think, it, providing I can prove this thing out, there's a lot of risk, don't get me wrong. Right. But that's exciting. Man. It's really exciting to try some of this stuff out, especially on American soil. For where sure. You can really touch communities that live around you. For sure. For sure. Thank you. So I, I, I went, I, I'm sorry. No, I went, no, no. I went go, ahead. go for it, brother. Dominic. Go ahead. I know I'm just flowing. I'm I'm just I'm just embrace the validity, but you can man, shut me up, man. man keep uh, keep spitting, brother. <laughs> keep spitting. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it, but as I'm looking at the economics, yeah. it makes sense as well. So if you can combine social mission with economics, you win. Like, okay, I saw the retention thing in a factory, right? I'm seeing the same thing here. I'm seeing people who who get out of prison with almost zero prospects. No wonder they end up back in prison. Right. Like they got to check a fucking box right. that says they've been arrested. Right. You know, like, how do you get out of that, man? They have five times the unemployment. Right. right? And, and, and I'm looking at their retention. They have three times the loyalty. Right? right. They just want that opportunity and they're loyal to death. They, most of these guys aren't born with the same chips. They're not born the chips I had. Right. Right. They're, they're, most of them are born in poverty. They don't have the education. They don't have, both, you know, uh, they don't have a mom at home. At right. least a lot of them are like this, right? They're, they're just not born. They're not, they're not, they don't have the same environment that you and I have. Right. right? And so they get in this system, right? And it perpetuates itself. Re, the, the, the rate of going back in prison is high, but like 30% is. most, that, most that, places, that, right? That recidivism is a bitch. It, it is. Recidivism is such a bitch. It's a bitch. And you know, you give them a, dude, you give them, you give them a profit a prospect and it changes. It drops to a third or less. Right. And I'm like, these guys want a job. I'm building factories in a way that challenges all the orthodoxies that uh, time back to the original conversation of my conditioning, right. right. That were formed since like world war two when parents were telling their kids, Hey, go to college or else you're going to end up in the fields of the factory. Mm. Right? That's not the factory I built. That's not the factory I work. In. <laughs> right. And I can prove out that we can actually build a factory. That's freaking amazing. Um, that provides, like way more than minimum wage, the wage that people can actually, you know, survive with, provide a roof for their head, get a car, right? Ride for a family. Right. Um, and that is just very unique when it comes to this labor pool. And I know that I'm going to get three times, probably even more than that in terms of their retention, mm-hmm. because these guys, they just, they just want that chance. And I want to be the one to, to do that. I think that feels, it just feels right. It feels good. It's not going to come without its struggles. I know. Doing a lot of research into this thing. But, you know, well, everything we're building uh, from, you know, the, the, the Yeezy product we're working on, Stance, from uh, Tom, Tom's deal we're doing, mm-hmm. um, to Future Stitch brand itself, will be at all these different facilities and going direct to consumer. For sure. No, I, I appreciate that. And, and I'm glad you said what you said, all of that, you know, from, you know, uh, the, the recidivism part and, and you know, uh, paying people a, a decent wage, more than a decent wage, because I think a lot of times, Taylor, and you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. A lot of times entrepreneurs and businessmen, a lot of times get this, this, you know, this kind of messed up facade about them that like, oh, it's all about the money. It's nothing, nothing else but mm-hmm. the money. But like you, you talk about social activism, you talk about, you know, giving people a chance to provide for their families. That's not, that, that seems like the antithesis of that, 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 uh, that, uh, uh, narrative. You know what I mean? That's that, right. Uh, and a lot more people need to hear. So I appreciate all that, brother. Yeah, yeah, thanks. No worries, no worries. Yeah, you know, capital capitalism get a bad rap. It does. It really does. You know, but like, but I don't know a better catalyst for change. Just like, you got it. I think, I think capitalism. I mean, you're seeing it now, right? right? I think the I think 
society is going to force capitalism to become more responsible. I think, mm, you know, things are so transparent right. these days yeah. and the consumers are more awake than ever that you're going to see more and more of this. And if you don't, if the company's not doing it, they're probably not going to last. That's true. You know, very long. That's true. That's and, and I don't have like a, I can't say I've got like a ton of data to back this up, but based on my conversations with the consumer and based on you know, what we've been doing, this is something that's going to create same, same power. Quite frankly, capitalism needs to shift. You know, like w- capitalism can be a threat. There's a lot of things that can be threats to, uh, to, to humanity in general. Uh, I'm, I, I try to uh, de-risk everything I do, right. but I also try to think about, okay, how do I community build to de-risk society? Uh, which is one of the reasons why I have a factory in China, which is one of the reasons why I want to take this thing public in China and be the first white guy to take a company public in China. I just feel like that's important. I know there's a lot of people that would hate on that. Right. But I'm like, you know what? I want more vested interests. I don't want to decouple. I don't want to like, I, I want everybody to talk with each other and play at the same table, play in the same sandbox. Right. I think sharing toys is important. I think vested interest is important to facilitate relationships of trust. And I hate, how society right now has become so distrustful right. and, and in a lot of ways. Right. And it, I mean, Hey, I, it's not like I don't get it. I mean, when people are locked indoors and unemployment's high, you know, right. when you're here and when media is pushing all these negative things, right. you, you get it it's furthering the distrust. But if we can create trust for meaningful trade and employment, right. For the right reasons and you get your people equity so that they, you know, if there is a liquidity event, they're actually seeing that rise with you and you become that model of how capitalism should, should work and just maybe you've created some good in this world all right startup nation so we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break we gotta pay some bills once again my name is dominic lawson and you're listening to the startup life This fresh coat of the startup life has been sprayed on nice and smooth by Wagner and the Flexel series of paint sprayers. Startup Nation, my wife decided she wanted to rehab her childhood home. The goal was to fix it up and invite a nice family to rent it out. We knew one of the biggest jobs we had to undertake was painting. However, from the walls, the cabinets, and even the siding outside, it was going to be a big task. As entrepreneurs with a company to run, we knew this was going to take up a lot of our time which is why we decided to get a paint sprayer. And after much research, we decided to go with the sprayer from the Flexio series from Wagner. Startup Nation, these sprayers are top notch because of its flexibility to paint or stain walls, furniture, cabinets, and more. It's 10 times faster than using a paintbrush, which was a big selling point for us. And you can paint or stain right from the can. It's also easy to clean in five minutes and being great for indoor and outdoor projects, a paint sprayer from the Flexio series clearly needs to be part of the arsenal in your garage. So if you're ready to stain your deck or like me, feel your daughter's request of a bubblegum pink room, up your game with a paint sprayer from the Flexio series by Wagner. Take it from me. Your time will thank you. This episode is sponsored by Swanson Health. Startup Nation, Swanson Health has been producing quality vitamins and supplements, foods, healthy home, and self-care products for over 50 years, since 1969, from the heart of America. Swanson Health carries over 20,000 wellness products at a great value. Pick up all of your favorite health products, plus discover new ones for your wellness routine, all while leaving money in your pocket. If you want to try any of Swanson Health's great products for yourself, use code STARTUP20 for 20% off at swanson.com. We have a link there in the show notes if you listen to the replay. This episode of The Startup Life is powered by Colony Spark. Startup Nation, with our economy in flux, there is a lot of mixed messaging out there. If there was ever a time to take control of the narrative and let your customers know that you're here to serve them, it's now. And that's why you have a friend in Colony Spark. Colony Spark is an omni-channel marketing agency that believes in the power of community to ignite your business. They have helped companies across many industries with lead generation, revenue growth, and more to put them on the path to success. My guy Bill Murphy and his team are very good at what they do. How do I know this? Because not many SEO companies have the stamp of approval of being partnered with Google. Yes, that Google. 
So I want you to go to www.colonyspark.com forward slash startup to schedule a meeting today. In that meeting, you will review your current marketing activity, receive actionable advice on how to pivot and grow, and ask any marketing questions you may have on navigating over the next few months. Look, Startup Nation, I know things may seem uncertain right now, but if you are looking for a business partner that can help light the way, go with Colony Spark, where they firmly believe in business helping business. Startup Nation, welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on The Startup Life. For sure. You know what you, you talked about? Because, you know, you talked, uh, I think we talked a little bit off air that you uh, do business in you know Israel, Turkey and China. You've mentioned China a few times here in our conversation uh, today. Kind of talk about. You know, because, you know, right now there's a lot of like, like you know, you talked about the media and like we talk about China and doing business with China and, you know, and, and trade wars and stuff like that. Kind of yeah. talk about your experience with uh, doing business in China and also kind of talk about what's like maybe something that people don't know about doing business in China that maybe is like, a you know, that kind of debunks a myth or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could talk about this for hours. I'll try to keep it short. For sure. um, yeah, so listen, I have a core value system, right? When I develop any business plan, I start with values, then I go to mission, then I go to vision, which is kind of opposite when most people usually start with vision. And usually there's like all sorts of quantifiable things with the vision. Uh, you know, that's not me. So values are really important to me. And, and I love democracy and I love individualism. I think you can't, uh, we're not going to be able to improve, improve the, the human condition without it. You know, I don't think collectivism wins. I think having a collective mindset, you know, knowing that you're part of this external environment, you're trying to, you know, and you're, you're a byproduct of that to a certain extent is, right. is important, right? Yeah. That you're not just like this unique organism who's all special and everything you do or, or say or believe really matters, you know? Um, yeah, I think that having some ability to, to see that from a macro perspective is, mm. is important. Right. Um, you know, in, in China, yeah, I went there first, actually, to Taiwan as a Mormon missionary. That's where I started uh, you know, learning Chinese. And then okay. I studied uh, in, in China. But Taiwan's very different than mainland China. Right. It's, um, it's, it's a democracy. So I went to mainland China, and I had a little bit of a culture culture shock, and I realized that there was a stark difference in governance. Mm. But the people were the same. The people were good. And that was uh, that's important to me. That's a, that's a core belief that I have, is that people are just good, man. I mean, Absolutely. you need police and regulation for 1% maybe. Right. I believe that. Too. Like, yeah. Yeah. That, I think that hope's important. Um, sure. But, you know, I went out there and I realized that there was a generosity and a kindness uh, that was unparalleled. I was, I was a recipient of all that. Mm. Uh, and, you know, of course I'm, I'm cool with the government government there. Um, and, you know, I've done some big uh, projects in conjunction with different government entities and whatnot. Actually on both sides specific right but i have done stuff there um and you know i won't comment necessarily on, on the political side although i do say i want to say this is uh i think they actually really do admire and love america and want they just want to get some respect back they've had a century of humiliation that's for western powers have taken advantage of that's you know they're fair, like yeah. the little brother in certain ways and you know they just want to get like some recognition and um, now there's some nefarious things that have occurred, right. In terms of like IP theft and stuff like that. And right. I think that's inherently wrong. Right. But I actually believe that by and large, the sentiment there is we don't want to decouple. We want to have friendly relations. Um, we want to have an even, you know, playing field. We don't want to sit at the little kid's table. We want to join the banquet, right. you know, you guys, but I actually believe that, um, inherently there is a desire to cooperate and collaborate. And I feel like when you throw out trust before mistrust, trust is reciprocated. And that's what I experienced. Honestly, my par- I have partners in China. I have a cap table with like six uh, Chinese investors. I have Israelis. I have New Zealanders, Australians, Italians, obviously a lot of Americans who are all on my cap table. Um, and, and I'll say that I have never had partners anywhere uh, on, on this planet, including here in my backyard, that are as trustworthy mm-hmm. as the people I work with there. And so I know that there are bad people. While I do believe that humans are naturally good, I, like I said, there's a small fraction of people who will take advantage of you. That's that true. You can't believe that that is the norm, man. Right. You, can't, you can't rely on that. That's just a horrible existence. It is. And so, you know, I, I just try to create trust first. And, and quite frankly, I have just, I've not been let down. You know, I, I've, 
seen it come back and I've seen like, you know, people offer friendship everywhere. And I just believe that humans are all the, you know, all the same, no matter where you go. Uh, and I honor respect for this culture. I don't believe in nation building. I don't believe in changing other people's governments per se. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I believe that people should be happy and they should have rights to happiness. Don't get me wrong. Right. Like I believe in individualism, like I said, but I do think that right now the problems that are occurring before, you know, between the U.S. and China are hurting a lot of people, American consumers uh, included. Um, that's not to say that I don't think the U.S. should have a manufacturing system. It's not to say that I don't think the U.S. should be less reliant on you know one particular party and, and diversify. I right. think that this, that's just common business practice. But diversification is important for business, but you don't do it in, in spite, you know, to create some um, tension and um, in, in ways that could ultimately really harm a lot of people. Uh, and, and I'm terrified of that, you know, and I don't live my life on fear at all. Like I'm not a person that's really typically subjected to fear, but you know, in this case, I just, I'm just, I'm just nervous about where we're heading as a, as a nation in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I, and I love my country and I'm glad to be doing this stuff here. And, and, and but I'm doing it because I'm, a, I'm also a global citizen. Right. Like, I believe that the greatest risk to ourselves are governments, man. It's like big entities. You have nuclear weapons. Like, I'd rather be more, obviously, more power in the hands of people. For sure. Um, you know, and government get out of the way. That's like, that's core to my my belief system. Um, what I'm seeing right now is government hampering a lot of um, potential right. that we could be having if we were just like communicated better and had more symposiums of ideation and you know focus on how we can um, progress with you know the social sure. rights, no, the I, climate, everything. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I look. I, I think you know you're. I I agree with you 100. percent Right. I I, just, I think most people are inherently. Uh, good. I know that's one of those big philosophical questions. Are people inherently good or are people right. inherently bad? Right? right. I think people are inherently good. I also think that ninety percent of people can be reasoned with. You right. You know, it's like because yes. a lot of times that we 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 get on social media or whatever media that we're on, and we take a snippet of something, and we's like, oh, that person is about all of that thing, right? And it's like, no, nah, that's just mm-hmm. you want that particular you know opinion or whatever the case may be. But I think most people can be reasoned with. I think most people are inherently good, and I think you you find that out and you fix uh, some of the problems that we have just by getting a, just talk to somebody. Just talk to somebody. Exactly. Just get to know exactly. them. You know what I mean? Like you'll find out they have the yep. same hopes, same fears, same dreams, same goals, same, you know, you no know, issues or whatever the case may be. It's it's like my mm-hmm. Angelou says, you know what I'm saying? We're more alike than unalike. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just yep. think that, you know, a lot of people uh could could do a lot better with like listening to people and talking to people and getting to know uh, people and stuff like that. You, you know, one of the things that, you know, which I think you do really well, Taylor, is that like you, you just put good energy out there. You know what I mean? Because Thanks, man. No, no I appreciate worries, that. Man. That's really uh, important to me. No, I, I can see that because, and, and, I, and I see like maybe sometimes, you know, uh, you know, if, if you were to kind of get like, you know, taken advantage of something like that, you know, you just like, you know what, that was a blip. I mean, I, I'm, and I'm yep. not going to treat the other 99 people I come across because of that one person who decided to, you know what, I'm going to try to screw this dude over. And I just think if more of us just put good energy out there, we get good energy back. You know what I mean? And you also attract good energy and people just want to be around you. And uh, and and even when you you head up a business and you're the the lead captain on that ship of that business, like people want to work hard for you. And, and I just I just believe that. You know, some people may yeah. think that's naive, but I just believe that. So I'm 100 percent on board with everything you just said, man, for sure. Thanks, bro. Yeah, no worries. No I appreciate worries. that a lot. No, no worries. That man. means a lot. Man. No, I appreciate that. Once again, Startup Nation, we're actually wrapping up with Taylor Shoop, uh, the uh, co-founder of the the venture Busaki. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access if you're listening to the replay on uh, the podcast. Look, man, I want to ask you this really quickly before we kind of start wrapping up for today, man, what's your entrepreneur sure. superpower, man? Ah, you know, I think it's, I think it's trust. I hear that. I think it's trust. I hear that. Yeah. I think, I think, um, I believe most people are adequately intelligent. You know, I think mm-hmm. most people could go out and, uh, and run a business and be successful. I really believe that. Yeah. I um, too. I think that, yeah, I think I think that a lot of people are scared to do it. And I get it. I think it can be scary. Um, you know, one of my one of my missions in life is to further in, in, uh, entrepreneurship. 
You know, I think the, it's the entrepreneur fighting the orthodoxy, you know, it's fi- fighting, fighting the universe, which, you know, oftentimes wants entropy and, and uh, destruction, right? right? That is like that, that true uh, champion of human progress. Uh, and so I'm a huge advocate of entrepreneurship and taking those, those risks. And I think it just like you put that trust out there in yourself and in other people and, and things just happen. They fall into place. Right. And, and like I said, I've been a, I've been a, I'm a product of, of other people's contributions. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'm an organism that's, I mean, we share 50% of our DNA with, you know, with all life on this planet. And right. I feel like we're all part of a system. Um, and I, and I want to further that system in any way, shape or form I, I can and, and be more outward thinking. Uh, and I think that's, I think that core belief has allowed people to work with me that sometimes, uh, maybe gravitate towards, uh, distrust before trust. Right. And, and, and I think, I hope anyway, that, uh, I'm an example of somebody who does what they say they're going to do no matter what it is uh you know as small as it is and i think that's you know the the power behind you know what i've been able to do because quite frankly like i know that most of the success i've had isn't because of my own efforts only you know most of it is because of other people engaging with me and 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 I love diversity. I love it. And I'm not talking about just black and white. Right. I'm not talking about color of skin. I'm not even talking about just like religion. I'm talking about everything. I'm talking about where you grew up. I'm talking about how old you are. I'm talking about diversity you know, of thought. Um, diversity of thought. Right. Diversity of that, that, your idea pool gets larger. The probability of coming up with something really interesting and non obvious also right. goes higher. Right. So, you know, I like to have great connections with wonderful people who also like to make a difference. And I think that's probably, um, you know, the superpower that I'm, if you could call it that, right. It sounds a little arrogant calling it a superpower, but I think, uh, (laughs) (laughs) well, using your words, I think that that is something that's provided um, a lot of value to me, uh, in my life entrepreneurially and also outside personally. For sure. For sure. I appreciate you sharing all of that and startup nation, you know, like I said, I think, you know, and Taylor, you know, talks about it beautifully. You know, I think as entrepreneurs and we're trying to figure out this COVID-19, I think trying to achieve that self-actualization is very critical because I think you get to, you know, move forward in life and just move forward unapologetically and you get to kind of really uh, maximize your potential and what you decide to become, what you decide to do. Uh, and I, I just appreciate our conversation today, man, for sure. Yeah, me as well. No Glad worries. you had me on the show. No Thank worries. you. No worries. So look, man, I'm actually going to turn the microphone over to you a little bit, man, because look, there's somebody out there who needs a little, a little encouragement right now with everything going on. Uh, just kind of give us some words of encouragement to take us out for today. If you don't mind, good sir. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm a believer in, uh, in karma. I'm a believer that uh, when you do the right things, that things work out. And I've seen it in my life over and over and over again. Um, I've had major ebbs and flows of business profitability. I remember at uh, one point, my first enterprise was failing. I just lost Circuit City, which was my largest retailer at the time. I had a lot of bad debt. I owed people money. I remember going home and just sobbing to my wife. And I'm, not a, I'm not a crier. I try to be. My wife tries to force me to to shed a tear here and there, but I'm simply not crying. I'm just falling. I'm like, Hey, it's all on you, babe. I need your help here. Um, and I'm so sorry because I want to be that provider that you want me to be, but I just can't. Um, and I'll tell you those months were the most character building of my life. Uh, and I figured it out, you know, persistence beats resistance. It's just, I mean, you look at the grand Canyon, that little trickle, it's probably started with a little trickle of water, right? That's what you can do as long as you continue to try. And so I, uh, I am, like I said, a huge advocate of going out there and just trying. And, uh, and I think entrepreneurship is a beautiful thing um, because you're in control of your, your destiny. You know? and, uh, and, of course, there's market that can fight against you. You don't want to pick a, a fight with market. And there is some luck involved. Um, don't get me wrong. But the learnings that you get from going out there and trying your own thing um, are so massive. The character building is so massive. Uh, it gives you just greater perspective than you could ever imagine. 
and gets you in touch with people you'd have never fathomed, fathomed you would have gotten in touch with. And, uh, and it just is an enriching experience. And, uh, and for those of you out there who are struggling, who are unemployed or are contemplating, um, you know, uh, building a business plan, I would say do it. Just do it. And uh, you're going to be successful. Whether or not you make a ton of money doesn't really matter. You're going to be successful. All right. You're going to build something inside of you that's going to lift your confidence. Um, that's going to be exhilarating and you're going to build some relationships that, uh, you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. So right. I guess that's my uh, two cents. No, I, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And that's going to wrap up our time with Taylor. Shoot. I appreciate you, brother. Yeah. You too, Dominic. No worries. And as Great always, comment. Startup Nation, as a, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life. If you want to let us know what you think about our show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a great way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is there in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or even on your Facebook timeline or any other platform you like to get your podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. You can also listen to the show on the Startup Life Podcast new website. There you will find the all-new startup blog where I write on many topics that are interesting and helpful to you on your path to entrepreneurship. And hey, If you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.